0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Fin Factor. I'm Paul, and I'm Aaron. This is episode number 184. Aaron, we have a couple games finally to talk about. We had this gigantic hiatus, uh, you know, playoff hockey going on. Obviously, not a part of that. And then you know, the off season, uh, free agency, some trades, all kinds of stuff going on. We finally get past the preseason and get into some games that actually matter. So, uh, right off the hop here, I just want to kind of get your take. Are you are you happy? that sharks hockey is back a regular season play we're not playing around anymore with preseason stuff
1: uh are are you you happy to be back in the seats i am uh it's always exciting when sharks hockey comes back even if this season is probably going to be horrendous and hard to watch (laughs) it's still better than no hockey during the summer and it's very boring um i was telling my wife as i was watching the thursday the opener i was like okay this is the best night because you have the most hope at this point that things aren't going to be as bad as you think it might be or it will be. So everyone always has hope when the season begins because you never know what could happen. For the most part, <laughs> oh, I, I think we know exactly what's going to happen. We just don't know how bad it's going to happen. But
0: uh, let's jump right into uh, the first game here, unless um, you want to start off with anything else. I guess we're just no, just that.
1: saying hi to everyone that's coming in here. So. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, Peter St. John, Kellen, Patrick Cabral, Taylor Kearney, the Zoll, playoff bounds. Right, sure. Uh, just saying hi to what's up to the people. Uh, I like Kellen's comment here. Leave it up to the Sharks to ruin
0: a 51-game save. <laughs> I think he meant 51-save game, but yes, there you go. Uh, someone please score. Taylor, obviously you're not on board with what we're trying to do this season, my friend. <laughs> um yeah so let's just go ahead we'll just hop right in uh sharks against vegas the uh the sharks uh, opener here and they uh they really stink it up for one loss now actually they did okay in the first period it's the second period that you kind of uh take issue with right near the end there and we'll get to that stuff but uh why don't we kind of pull the uh the standouts out of this game here uh philip zadina comes and scores his first goal as a shark first goal of the season for the sharks. Um I mean, what did you think? I, I think, you know, you seem to think he would look dangerous all night. I kind of, I wasn't too sure about him to be honest with you. I felt like he looked almost a little bit better even in the next game here, but um you know, he, he gets rewarded
1: on that first game. Absolutely. I thought almost every shift that he was on the ice, he was exciting to watch. Definitely the most skilled and the most dangerous looking person with the puck every time on his stick. So I'm very excited to see what this guy could do. I was kind of unsure because I didn't get to watch a ton of him when he was in Detroit. So um kind of new to me in a way, but um it's interesting. They put up the stat, I never even thought about it. He is the highest drafted player currently on the sharks right now because wow. he was drafted sixth overall, I believe. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but Couture was ninth overall. Granted, he's not playing right now because he's hurt, but on, on the roster he is the highest drafted player overall so he definitely has you know for the most part uh the best skill or the best skilled player that's on the team um i thought he looked fantastic and i think that uh, is a great ad i'm still shocked that he picked the sharks over other teams but i also understand that that's because he's going to be the man while he's in san jose and i and after watching that first game, I was like, wow, this is this is going to be good. I think he's going to have a pretty decent season credit. One game, small sample size, but still <laughs> getting a goal, at least in that game. And he had many chances to get at least one or two more. So um, I liked the way he looked. I think with the exception of uh,
0: Eric Carlson,
1: um, you know, you kind of
0: need a good team around you uh, for you to be good. <laughs> Eric yeah. uh, kind of spitting in the face of that comment. But, uh, you know, I, I think Zadina, he looks good. Can he maintain this throughout the rest of the season? Uh, not just himself necessarily, but with the teammates that he has around him, are they going to be able to support him for him to have continued success uh, throughout the season? Uh, that'll be up in the air, good question, for maybe uh, midway through the season to see kind of where he is. Um, don't want to get too excited, of course, but, uh, yeah, I think that's that's amazing that you know being drafted, I think you said, sixth overall. Um that that he is the highest drafted uh, uh player on the Sharks roster. So hopefully we'll have uh some even higher drafted prospects coming uh just uh just a little bit down the line here. Will Smith, of course, drafted fourth overall. And then if the season goes the way we hope it does, at least one through three. So that would be uh fantastic and amazing. The only thing for Zadina for me, um, I was a little uh worried, I guess you could say, that he was going to be kind of this reclamation project of a guy that was. Uh, slotted to be really good, but maybe wasn't going to pan out. You know, I kind of look at Oscar Limbaum, obviously a different situation there, but those are the same kind of high hopes that I had for Oscar. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to see Phillip just run on the board right away, not wasting any time. So again, hopefully some continued success for him, if, uh, if not for the Sharks, uh, for himself to maybe find uh, another team that can use those talents better than we can. Um Tomasz Hertl gets the primary assist on Zadina's goal. And now you said that you think he looks quicker and more agile. I'm not entirely certain that I agree with that, but please give me your take on this.
1: <laughs> uh I know he slimmed down this summer and I think to me he looks a little bit quicker and more agile on the ice than he did a season ago. I think um he likes to he likes to uh compare himself to Yermer Yager. I don't know if you remember All those older people, I guess, that would know Yeramir Yager when he was in the league and he was like legit star at the time. Um, He was a big, big man and used his big rear end to push bodies around. Granted, the game was a little bit different in the 90s than it was, you know, post lockout of 2004. So speed is more of the game now, and I think he looks good. I think he looked a little quicker and um, he seemed to be moving around the ice a lot a lot better than he did last year. Last year, he seemed a little sluggish to me, like, and not in a bad way. Just, he didn't have the quickness because he was so bulky and big. So he was hard to get off the puck. But this time I think he looked a little bit, um, a little more, what is it? Fleet of foot, if you will, on his skates. You didn't think so? I don't know. I, 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 I guess for me, he didn't exactly stand
0: out, right? He didn't stand out to me. So it's hard to say, um, you know he looked quicker and more agile because if you're not even standing out in the first place how could you look anything right um so i just i don't know i, I don't want to say he was invisible that's a word maybe we'll be using a little bit later on here but um he certainly didn't seem like he was a powerhouse i'll say uh on the rank and you know again game one not too concerned with it and again uh, this season's not necessarily about uh being the best team or anything so uh, i'm not overly concerned uh, with the way Tomas hurdle looks right now to me. Um, I'm sure in a few games, he and Zadina are going to have a little bit more chemistry and uh, things will be clicking between the two of them. And he'll look just like the normal hurdle. But for me, I don't know. I'm not sure that he looked uh, as, as good as I would have hoped.
1: He's not as dominant as he used to be. I I don't think. And Tom uh, hurdle needs to be dominant. He needs to be the guy pretty much in San Jose, at least as the center position. Mm um to me like after watching that game and on saturday too he just seemed like on a good team he would be a good second line center i don't think he could be a a top line center he's just not as not as dominant as he needs to be he can't take over a game so hopefully he gets into some better shape there into game shape i mean and and gets uh gets you know his his ball rolling but um yeah to me hurdle's gonna top out at like 60 points again this season we need more than that to go anywhere, <laughs> or we uh, don't. Yeah, I want we don't to roll need more back. than that. <laughs> Sorry, I want to roll back just a little bit, six, seven minutes or
0: so. Uh, Super Dudes, Jason, Ben, and Gunsry saying, "Can we skip right to the draft prospect who's going number one?" Uh, you know what, Ben? We're gonna have plenty of time to talk about that throughout the season. And frankly, uh, we'll probably try to get Graham back on the show, uh, give you that expert analysis and take on. Uh, who the best prospects are going to be for the Sharks? You never know. We may not be last in the league again if we hit 68 points. I don't think we're that guy. So you see what uh, uh, what Nick said. Uh, I was actually going down the list just a bit, but we'll get right to Nick in a second here. But Noah Claxton says Macklin Celebrini probably number one, Cole Eiserman probably number two, consensus. So um, those are the two. If you just want to do your own research on those guys, absolutely, uh, those are the ones that are the consensus. Hashtag one, two,
1: taking it easy for Celebrini.
0: Taking it easy for Celebrini. Is that Nick? Did
1: Nick say that? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, la- last year it was tank uh, hard for Bedard. Yeah. That was the saying. So Take it easy, easy for, for, Celebrini. for Celebrini. There you go. <laughs> clever. clever um, and,
0: and you know, someone here calling me out, Patrick Cabral, says I think Paul <laughs> wasn't wearing his 73 sweater for that game. Lies. Lies, Patrick Cabral. I was actually wearing the, uh, the 73, the Noah Gregor jersey uh, for that game. And... That's, that's what happens. That's what happens when you wear the jersey. <laughs> you lose 4-1. to one. So, uh, yeah, obviously uh, Noah Gregory doing a little bit better in Toronto in the first game than he did uh, in, I don't know, game 50 of last season for the Sharks, whatever it was. Uh, again, good for him. Uh, I, I love that he's uh, finding a new home and some new teammates, uh, and I think it's a great start, the first of nine, um, and, and, and I'm happy for the guys. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see. Aaron, I think uh, we talked about the goal. We talked about the primary assist, And, of course, there is a secondary assist. And we've we've called this guy out a couple times. Uh, We we wanted to have a nice slide. And the super producer, Jason, spent some time uh, getting this slide together. And uh, he hasn't shown us yet. So much like the uh, Eric Carlson slide of old, we're going to be seeing this for the first time right now. So with the first point for him this season, uh, and it was a secondary assist, Grand Admiral Thrun.
1: A warrior may retreat. He does not flee. What?
0: <laughs> wow. Oh, I love it. Wow! Excellent. Always Super producer Jason. Killing it. Doing a great job. Thank you so much for that. I love it. Oh, my God. The blue face, the red eyes. Perfect. <laughs> Again, if you're listening on the podcast, you guys are really out to pop in uh, now and then, or at least check the replay on YouTube because we so we're might just put just that on
1: a whole lot of work. So we might hit uh, that up on our uh, our social medias for other yeah, people. we'll we'll throw it. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh my god! But hey, for for me,
0: for me, uh, yeah, Thrun. I don't know. He looks promising. I'm not going to say he looks amazing. I'm not going to say he's the next Eric Carlson or anything like that. But no. um, if we're just talking about being an everyday NHLer. Um, yeah, he looks good offensively and defensively. I think he makes some mistakes here and there guys it's game one, right? So let's, you know, back off a little bit here. I know there's a lot of comments that are probably going to be thrown around about the guy and the next uh, game he gets scratched. We'll talk about that, but I think he's got a good head on him. He's, uh, he's clearly got his head up scanning, aiming for good passes and whatnot. So, um, I like what I saw out of him. Uh, I'm looking forward to his growth, uh, with the organization,
1: hopefully. And um, I don't know, Aaron, what did you think about uh the, the Grand Admiral here? Definitely, definitely promising. Um part of it though is the Sharks just don't really have anyone else. Um, granted he was scratched the next game, but think about where he was six months ago, five months ago. He was buried in Am- Anaheim, who's also equally not as good of a team. And uh they just have a lot more depth at the defenseman position. So he went from being buried and stuck in the AHL, or not even in the HL, he was still in college. Um to um to being almost an everyday starter. We'll see if he if he can crack the lineup more often than not this season for the Sharks. But um incredible journey for him and such a great decision, I think, for him to to leave Anaheim and come here. But um I thought I thought he looked okay, but again, rookie defensemen take a long time to get into the NHL as regular starters without you know minimizing the amount of stakes. I think for defensemen, your mistakes are a lot more glaring than if you were a forward. So it, it takes a little bit longer um, because when your mistakes happen, it usually ends up in the back of the net and people remember. So um, it, it's a little bit more of an unforgiving position, which why it takes so long. Um, I do think he will be up with the Sharks more often than he would not be either scratched or sent back down. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he gets get sent down for maybe an assignment or something. Cause I believe is he eligible for he is waivers exempt, so he could get sent down. There you go. So uh, Noah Claxton says run has
0: medium top four potential. Uh, Noah, is that your professional opinion or is that <laughs> from NHL 24? Uh, either way, I'm 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 curious, and I would love to know. Uh, yep. But you know what has uh, high elite potential is Sir producer Jason's closing of this segment.
1: Fire away! I don't think he was ready. A warrior may retreat; he does not flee.
0: All right. Well, <laughs> I think he's going to say some more stuff. Maybe I don't know. Some other time. In any case, uh, yeah, so I, I was I was happy with him. So uh, moving on from him, do you want to actually take this one question here, Grandizer12. Uh, Paul, Aaron, uh, Jason, is there a new Sharks player acquired, either draft trade or free agency this year, that you feel the strong urge to buy their jersey, and why? <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, I, you might as well wait for Will Smith. Yeah. I'd say Zadina would be a good one, but he's only on a one-year contract, and I don't think... Not that I don't think you'd want to stick around, but I think there's going to be a lot of interest from other teams that will want him. So um, I would like for the sharks to sign him because he's so young. He's 23 years old. And imagine adding him into the lineup going in like even just another year or two years when we're going to have, I think Will Smith will be in the lineup or at least fighting for a spot in training camp next year. Um, The sharks are going to be a a heck of a lot better in the, one definitely in two years when a lot of these other prospects are, are starting to hit their stride. So he would be right in the middle of that. And in two years time, he's still only 25 years old. And those guys are topping out at 28 kind of when they get to their peak. So he's still up on the up and up. Um, so especially if he's still on that trajectory and it isn't kind of a, a flame out burnout kind of prospect, you know Um, and prospect. I mean, he still is only 23 years old. It's kind of older for a prospect, but I still think he's he's got a lot left to to give. Um, but anyway, back to the jersey. I mean, for me, it would be who's going to be a standout player on the Sharks for a long time. It's probably going to be Will Smith. What about you, Paul?
0: I think I'm going to wait to see how we do uh, this season. See if I get a Celebrini or Eisenman jersey.
1: <laughs> That's the other thing. Yeah, I think this season is not a good season to buy a
2: jersey. We just stunk.
0: no actually this season is a great season to buy a jersey because they'll all be on discount or you get a uh, retro jersey of a player that's retired yeah that's probably better yeah yeah okay uh capo kakinin starts in this game aaron uh, obviously they they put up four on on capo here um but again it was it was really the the second period not even the whole second but just the end of the second period where things kind of fell apart just a little bit there um I don't know. Tell me, tell me what you thought about Cop- uh, Capo, and um, I don't. What do you think? Is this guy a, a starter in this league?
1: I'm still, I'm still not sure. Uh, right now, I would say at best he's a one B situation. I don't think he's going to be a starter. He's still on the younger side. Goalies take a lot longer. Um, I liked what I saw from him. I think of those four goals, two he would want back. The other two, I don't think he really had much of a chance on. Um, but I thought he came up with some big saves and other than, I mean, they got what two goals within almost a minute, a little bit less than a minute, the very end of the second pillar. That was a dagger right there. That was it. And that's on the team. That's not even really on capo. I think one of those ones was the soft ones, but, um, I think, uh, if, if let's say they go into that period and they're still tied one to one going to the third, I think he was playing well enough. He was giving the sharks a good enough chance to win. Um, It's more or less, you know, the Sharks not having enough um, uh, star power, you know, like uh, scoring power. So I hate to fault him. I wouldn't fault him for that loss. I thought he played decent, but again, not stand out. Look at what Blackwood did the following night or the following game. Um, I see Capo as a very, very good and capable backup. And someone who could be, let's say your starter gets hurt for a couple weeks, you're not going to sink in the standings with Capo and goal, but I don't think he's going to lead your team either. William Eklund. Uh, he was
0: actually setting up, I think uh, was saying Luke Cunning uh, quite a few times, I believe um, who actually uh, Luke Cunning had more ice time five on five and, and in general than any of the other forwards, I believe in this game. Um, but yeah, so Will, William Eklund, um, you liked his passing. He liked uh, uh, the way he's got his head up and he's, Um, making elite passes to his teammates and trying to make everybody around him better. What does that say about this guy coming in? He's so young still, but his vision is so great and he's able to elevate uh, the players around him, even at such a young age.
1: Yeah, it's definitely his vision. It reminds me, I mean, I'm going to loosely say this, but kind of like Carlson, how Carlson would find that open space and open teammate and somehow make this pass where you're like, how, how did you see that coming? How did you, First of all, first of all, see it, but second of all, execute it to where you're actually putting it on the guy's stick. I thought Eklund looked fantastic. Um, his passing is definitely, definitely elite NHL level. The rest of his play is not quite there yet, but it's coming. And I think I don't think this is gonna be a question that we're gonna have later, but to me, he did not look out of place whatsoever. He didn't look like um like, oh man, you know, like rookie mistake. He needs to get sent down so he can work on some aspects of his game. I thought he he was holding his own and and looked like he belonged in the NHL. So it's good to see that something is starting to pan out. And he is going to be one of the um, going back to those jerseys. That's a good one to buy They're right there. William Eklund is going to be a great jersey to buy because I think he's going to be part of that core group. That next core that's coming up um, for the Sharks along with Will Smith. Um, so it's promising. I think he looks he's an exciting guy to watch when he's on the ice as well.
0: And Aaron, you know, before you move on to the next player we you wanted to talk about here, I love that you brought it back to the jerseys again, because I just wanted to prove that I was wearing the 73 uh, in, in this game here. There it is. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it was yep. pretty funny. I had a couple fans come up to me and uh, one of them obviously wanted to take the, uh, the picture
1: here. Yeah. Um, so that is... Um mike he's from 408 jerseys he was actually on the show a couple years ago um i believe remember he he lent us when we had a set years Mm -hmm. ago before covid he he lent us a bunch of sharks jerseys to show off in the background that's who that was i don't know if you remember that yeah 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 and did you did he talk to you no, just,
0: you see, hey, what's up? Can I see, you know, in the, the infamous uh, Gregor jersey? Yeah, sure. You know, so actually there's a a few people that had stopped me. It was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> by the way, if, if you do see us at a game or something like that, please, guys, it's just come say hi. Like, we're totally yeah. you know personable about it. So, yeah, you know, we sh- pictures looking sharp, Paul, says Peter St. John. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Peter St. John.
1: Um,
0: okay. So, yes, I wore the jersey. And again, I want to reiterate real quick for everybody. <laughs> I do not have to wear that jersey i chose to wear that jersey it's it a good looking cool. jersey lies lies get me back over there it's I, a stipulation if he scored a hat trick a second time that then i would have to wear it to every game that i whatever
1: i chose okay for the people aaron for the people it's a sharp looking jersey it looks good it reminds people of happier times when gregor would try and break the glass on breakaways we just stunk Super
0: <laughs> producer Jason, just on point. I love it. Kyle Burrows, you liked him. Uh, he had some good hits. You think
1: I did? Yeah, reminiscent of you know, um, Doug McLaren. I was gonna say a little bit of McLaren, not so much the way he hits, but just that excitement of when someone just gets nailed at the blue line. You know, they try and come across that line. They got their head down just for a split second. Bam knocked on their butt I like that I think the sharks need a little bit more of that um kind of like Douglas Murray that's what I was thinking of um just land that big kid it gets the crowd excited it gets your team going it gets you know everything just goes so it's I, I like the sharks haven't really had a player like that on the blue line in a long time so um I thought he I thought he looked pretty decent he didn't look out of place either
0: yeah it was supposed to be Shimmick yeah Shimmick was supposed to be that guy
1: yep he was and, that guy. Uh, while, while Burns while. was here, yeah, yeah,
0: well, yeah, but uh, nice to have, nice to have Kyle uh, on the blue line there, and you know who knows, maybe Kyle gets a look from some teams that he deserves to play.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, let's see, you know the other guy here that uh, we wanted to call out uh, was Giovanni Smith. Um, no points in the game whatsoever, but you know what? A lot of times it just doesn't show up on the stat sheet. I was extremely impressed with his play. Um, He is an absolute bulldog on the (laughs) rink. He just, you cannot turn your back without looking over your shoulder because this guy is all over. Um, Yeah, no, I was very impressed with this game. This is to me exactly, exactly what Mike Greer wants out of each and every one of his players. This guy's engine is off the charts Um, And you know what? Uh, He had the least ice time of any of the Sharks players at 5v5 or in total. Okay, No matter which way you slice it, he had the least ice time. But he still managed three shots on goal. And only Zetterland had more at 5-on-5.
1: He's got to make his time count.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know what? He's taking the time that he's given. I think it was less than 12 minutes, like 11.52, something like that. Yeah. And he's taking the time he's given and he's putting it. All out there, I love this guy. Um, You know, I, we we talked about guys like Ferraro with the engine, right? I You know how I, I love Ferraro and how he just never quits. This guy, Giovanni Smith, this guy doesn't quit. I love this guy. Um, so, Aaron, we're gonna have to reach out to the Sharks and see if we can get him on the show. Because I bet we can do that. I I, I want to talk to him. I bet we can get that to happen. He's an absolute animal. I love his play style. Uh, again, sometimes it just doesn't show up on the score sheet, but that doesn't mean you are not contributing. This guy's contributing, and I love every minute of, of watching him play. So, there you go.
1: Anything Perfect. to say about Giovanni, Aaron? No, I love it. I love I love watching him play. Um, he's another guy that's on the ice, and you just can't take your eyes off of him because he's going to do something. So, um, like you said, bulldog, bulldozer, going out there, he is going 100% on every shift, and it's I think they're even saying on the broadcast, they were impressed with how, how hard he was working and it's contagious to the rest of your teammates. So you see that guy working hard. Um, he creates turnovers on the forecheck. Um, it makes everyone work harder. So exactly the kind of player the Sharks need, especially the young guys, so they can see what it's like. And he's doing this every game, every day. Uh, that's where he is making his money. So I think it's, uh, it's fantastic. I like Kellen calling it the heart line. Uh, Smith,
0: Sturm, he meant to say Sturm and Zetterland. Uh, yeah. Um, Sturm is the other guy. I, we talked about Ferraro and obviously Smith just now, but Sturm is that other guy that, I mean, for me, I don't care if he's a fourth line center or a third line center, and that's where he plays for the rest of his life. This guy deserves to be a captain somewhere. Um, he's got the right attitude. Again, we talked about engine. Uh, he's got that in spades. So um, there's a lot of this on, on this team, Aaron. Um, Maybe not the highest skill level but they're going to go out and give you everything they got every single game. So this is just another reason why, even in a season where we're not going to be a very good team, and that's okay, um, it's still good hockey to come and watch. Um, Even if they're not putting the puck in the net, uh, you're going to get these performances. Like, you know, the next game that we're about to talk about uh, from the goaltending, uh, every once in a while, you're going to get these guys on the ice that are just Mm -hmm. working their tails off, uh, you know, pounding people into the boards wherever they can i um, chasing him down. I saw Smith just run somebody down the defensive zone and the defender made the mistake. Like I said, you can't turn your back, turned his back on him. And when he looked to the left, he was right there. He will look to the right. He was right there again, Picked the puck and he had a shot and mm-hmm. it was just, you know, you, he doesn't give up and he works his tail off. And I love that about the guy. So um, there are some that maybe stood out the wrong way though. Um, and
1: I'm going to go ahead and let you kind of uh, run with the first one here. Go ahead. The <laughs> First one. Barbie, man, Bear Bonoff looked awful in both those games. He had turnovers. He, uh, I think on one of the goals, he completely blew his coverage and the guy was wide open and scored a goal. So he just, he seemed out of it. I don't know if he's hurt or if, if something else is going on, but he did not look good to me, almost to the point where I thought he should have been scratched for the Colorado game. Um, Bordelow and Hoffman, at least in the first game, I thought Bordelow didn't look very not that he didn't look good, he just was invisible. Hoffman, again, invisible. Didn't seem like he made a difference whatsoever. If he was out of the lineup, never would have noticed. So I thought um I thought those two were or those three, I guess, were kind of the forwards for the most part for me that that stood out in a bad way for this game, at least at least the Vegas game. Fair enough. And uh, you know,
0: there was a a clip from uh coach quinn that uh i i saw and you know it it uh, kind of struck a chord with me because this is something that um you know an nhl coach is saying this but it's also something that i find myself telling uh my kids and and the, the house league players that, that i coach at uh, you know in line and everything um so we'll just go ahead and and run the clip and then uh we'll, we'll chat about it a
2: little bit we just stunk we stunk on the power play. We stunk on the penalty kill. We stunk five on five. Our forward stunk. Our defenseman stunk. We
0: just stunk. So I never tell my kids that. So <laughs> can you roll the real
2: clip, please? He's going to see big boy hockey tonight. And, you know, a couple things he and I talked about today were, you know, what can happen to a guy who has been such a skilled player and been such an effective player his whole career, you're asking him to Change their game. And that doesn't mean you're trying to take away anything from their game. You want them to be the player they are, but you're trying to add to their game. And that's the message we sent them this morning. Like, no one's trying to change you as a player. We're just trying to, the game is going to demand you to be a more well rounded player like it is every skilled young player. I mean, and skating and checking are non negotiable at this level. I mean, if you're going to be a successful player uh, with that type of skill and that size, you've got to skate consistently and you got to make sure your physical. In the way you can be effective physically, I'm not asking him to go into a corner and plaster Peter Angel the the boards and win that battle over and over again. But at that size, there are certain ways to be physical. You know, you got to have anticipation, you got to have a good stick, play through people's hands, and beat them off walls. That's being physical, right? Whereas if you're 6'4, 220, you're physical in a different manner, right? So, and that's a couple things we talked about this morning. So the thing I love about
0: that is that, you know, again, it goes back to, you know, Bortolo being this player that is used to being the skill guy, the scoring touch and all this other stuff. Right. Um, But when you play in the NHL, you're you're not the top skill player. You need to round your game out and find other ways to contribute. And if that's not necessarily putting the puck in the net uh, at, at every opportunity, then you have to find other things that you can do. And again, uh, being physical, as he said, in the way that you can be effective. is not a huge guy. Uh, coach Quinn knows this, right? So it's not about being physical in the sense of body checking everything that moves. It's, you know, he talked about, I think, skating through the hands. This is some again, I, I talk to with, with my kids and the kids that I coach, is you try to separate them from the puck, not by hitting them, because in, in our leagues that's obviously illegal, but you also don't just swipe at the stick. You skate through the hands and you separate them from puck and from from their body from the puck, essentially. Right. So that that in and of itself is just being physical in the best way that you can be effectively physical. So I think that, you know, Quinn gets a bad rap sometimes for not playing the young players and everything. I think he just has these expectations of young players, that you're not going to come in here and be the next Connor McDavid if your name is Thomas Bordalo, right? You're going to have to round out your game to be effective because your offense isn't enough. You need to do more than just that. And I think that may be a, one of the bigger reasons why the younger guys don't always get a spot with Quinn. I know that's kind of been one of the things that people have harped on about him. Um, but I think this is, this is fair, right? He's just asking the player – to round out the rest of the game and in terms of physicality being more effective, not just thinking that, uh, you know, I was a, a goal scorer, you know, in juniors or an NCAA or wherever you came from. Um, and that's what I'm going to be when I get to the NHL. No, when you get here, you do whatever it takes uh, for your team to be successful. And if, if you have just blazing offense, like a McDavid, like a McKinnon, like Crosby or whoever else, if that's what you bring to the table, and, and the defense kind of falls off a little bit. Okay, fine. But when, when you're a young player and you're not superstar status, these are the types of things that you need to do. You need to round your game out. So um, I just thought it was interesting uh, hearing that from coach Quinn, because there's a couple things in there, like almost word for word that I'm telling some of the other players uh, and, and, and my kids too. Um, so it was just kind of validating, being able to hear that from, uh, you know, that it's even a problem at the highest level of hockey Uh, And it's something that if you learn at a very young age, you'll have kind of that uh, that step ahead on the rest of the competition. Aaron, um, is there anything else you wanted to add about that clip or about Bortolo in general?
1: Yeah, it's funny. I took it the other way from Quinn kind of defending Bortolo there than anything else. I think from the media saying, you know, he's going to have his growing pains because he has to learn that he's not going to be this scoring guy and it's going to take time and he's working with him on it. Um, I think to me, Quinn is very open to the players and talks to them um, and, and, you know, what they expect. And, you know, one of our notes coming up here is that Lebank was scratched. He said he had a good conversation with Lebank earlier that day. So, and that we don't have a clip of it, but um, he mentioned that, and that um, he knows what he needs to do and what he needs to work at. And Lebank was injured, but going back to Bortolo, um if you go back from a while ago, when we interviewed Jamie Baker, Remember what Jamie Baker would do when his scoring kind of dried up? He said he worked on the other things like face offs, hitting, not so much hitting, but you know, because he wasn't a big guy either, but being physical cool.
0: in whichever way that can be effective. Yeah.
1: And Quinn has said this before about Borderlo. He's like, I don't expect him to knock a guy off the puck. What I expect him to do is make it hard for that guy to get the puck away from him or even win it in some of those cases. You're going to that battle into the corner against the boards and you're most likely going to come out with that puck that's what he wants to see and again you're not pushing the guy off but you're you're physically getting in there and and using your body any way that you can so that you can you know without taking penalty but but getting in there so that you can win that puck away um that's what he needs to work on he kind of needs to get that fire and spirit of being scrappy that that's probably the best way to describe it you need to be a little scrappier because you're not going to be the skilled guy anymore and Looking at every player in the NHL, top to bottom of the line, even fourth line guys were most likely the top scorers growing up all throughout their life, had to change their game at some point. For Bortolo, just happens to be at the NHL level because he was scoring most of the goals through his whole career up until now.
0: So another guy that was scoring a lot of goals, but not uh, recently, LeBanc. Like we said, uh, scratched Aaron Um What's what's kind of your take on LeBanc being scratched? Is he in trouble, uh, or, or or what's the case here?
1: No, he missed what ten days of, during training camp because of an injury. So that's what Quinn was asked like several times by the media, and this, I didn't get the clip, but I watched it, and he seemed like not, he wasn't annoyed, but he's just kind of like he's like calm it down, guys. Lebank's fine, he's okay. He's just he's just a little behind because he he missed ten days, so he missed you know some of the training camp, some of the getting the quickness getting the games in getting all the reps in so it's coming he's working hard he knows what he needs to do he'll be coming soon so i think i i would expect to see the bank within the next couple games here he's gonna he, he'll crack the lineup i agree i was just stirring the pot So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah
0: um i i think you know like like quinn said you know when you when you miss you know 10 days or whatever it was yeah you're gonna be behind it's not like he's um, you know he's upset with them oh he's behind you know and it's, it's not like that it's just you know the guy needs to catch up to where everybody else is because everyone else has the advantage of having 10 more days worth of practice and training um once he gets to that point i'm sure he's gonna slot into the lineup um <laughs> although noah claxon doesn't seem to agree he says kevin le La doghouse <laughs> <laughs> oh thank you no <laughs> well done buddy uh okay aaron i think uh, we're okay on the bank for now at least Um, you you know, again, we brought up that the, the second period, um, they had the breakdown and everything else. I think the main takeaway though, and it's something that you put in here is that, you know, they need to finish out and play the full 60 minutes. Uh, You can't just kind of be down on yourself. Uh, and, 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 you know, at the end of a period, just kind of waiting for the next period to start up. You just want to get to the locker room. Uh, you just can't do that. And, uh, maybe, maybe the sharks were, were guilty of that in this case.
1: Yeah. It's just, It's a mental thing. You know, you need to play a full 60 minutes and go all the way through that last minute and a half of the second period was garbage. So I'm talking about the first game against uh, Vegas. Just you can't do that against the Stanley cup champions, returning Stanley cup champions who have a dangerous line on every line. They're going to make you pay. And that's exactly what they did. So a lot of it is mental and it's, it's a kind of a, I want to call it a growing pain because you have some younger guys, but it's a good learning experience and it's better to do that in what the la- the very first game of the season versus the last game that they need to make the playoffs kind of thing so um whatever hopefully they can they can remember that and use the tape and show them hey don't do this again and they don't do it again as long as they learn from the mistakes whatever it is what it is i wasn't expecting them to win that game anyway Kellen's saying that
0: he wasn't able to do the incline skate machine y'all hit up in that fin factor training montage. I'm assuming he's talking about the uh, extra hour uh, facility spotlight episode that we did. If you have not seen that, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> Go see that after the show is over with because it is fantastic. I don't care that we produced it. And we're biased. It is fantastic. Uh, just enjoyed the heck out of that one um so yeah i would definitely go and, and give that one a look but uh no actually kevin LeBank i think it was the best on the treadmill there you go super producer jason putting in the chat thank you so much for that uh he was actually i think the best one on the treadmill uh in terms of speed at the highest elevation possible on the treadmill machine so uh kevin Lebank, a heck of a skater Um, just kind of maybe the rest of it, not, not quite putting it together just yet, but again, he's a little bit behind last season was last season. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. And, uh, let's see how he does when he finally slots into the lineup here.
1: He put his, uh, his work in at that facility, because if you remember when he first hit the league, his skating was not great. And he improved it dramatically. I think in one, one summer he came back from that summer and it was his, uh, not so much his speed, but his quickness, getting on loose pucks i think that's what what ultimately changed and helped him become a, a more of an everyday player um and that was back when the sharks were what a playoff team so they still had a lot of their studs on their team um but yeah he made significant significant improvements um from his skating from probably from that treadmill exactly that treadmill <laughs> changing his stride and mechanics and everything I can guarantee you, um, Coach Kathy,
0: just herself, amazing, does a great mm-hmm. job. And her son, Coach Cameron, as well. Um, Coach Cameron actually works with uh, with my son, Cole. And um, he used to work with Jace, but not quite as much anymore. But um, they do a phenomenal job. And, of course, on that treadmill, you've got that mirror in front. And one of the things that she said was, you can look at it and see, is that guy low enough in the mirror there? So you actually get some of you your own feedback, uh, really awesome stuff. Before we move on to the next game, I just want to remind everybody, if you're enjoying the show, uh, please feel free to hit that like button. Uh, If you'd like to support us, you can do so with the Super Chat function. You can also do that through Venmo. We are uh, at the Fin Factor on Venmo. Uh, If you leave a comment in either one of those, we'll go ahead and read it out uh, during the show here, and we can go ahead and just address your comment right then and there. If you'd like to get uh, something back, for your uh, donation contribution. If you will, you can go to the fin check out all the products that we have for sale. Uh, hats. Uh, canteen mug. What is it called Aaron water bottle? There yeah, you water go. Water bottle? bottle. I don't know why I can't. It's a ball. Bo- the wall. Anyway. Um, if, <laughs> if you'd like any of that stuff uh, to help support the show, we would certainly appreciate that. It uh, does go a long way to helping us uh, with our final goal, uh, which we will show you some images. Uh, near the end of the show. Uh, what were we- oh, you know, I can't lie. It was, you know, a lot last, you know, month. And apparently I was babbling. Okay. <laughs> so uh, if you'd like to do that, we appreciate you. Thank you very much, Aaron. Sharks, Colorado. This was one that I was thinking was not going to go well. And <laughs> I am so glad to be wrong. Uh, did you go to this game? First of all.
1: I did not. I had an event for my daughter's school, so I didn't even get to watch this game live. I had to watch it later. But um, I did say I will pat my own back because the end of last show, we were talking about how many points the Sharks will get this week. And you said no points. I said no points. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say they're going to get an overtime loss one point. But I said it was going to be against Vegas, not Colorado. So half pat on the back, I guess. But I, I did go
0: to this game. Uh there was a giveaway. Can anyone guess what the giveaway was? No idea. It was Los Tiburones
1: night. <laughs> is that the actual right. mask that you got? This is the one. Yeah, it's wow. pretty
0: cool. I kind of like it, you know.
1: Is that I mean, plastic over the eyes or is it just a hole? No, it's is ow!
0: It's yeah, it's just a hole. Uh, <laughs> do not poke yourself in the eye. Yeah, so uh it was Los Tiburones night. Uh really cool stuff. So uh, this is one of the giveaways that they had. So uh totally enjoyed it. The first night was the the apron and it had all the uh, uh the the different teams schedules right? sliding off my head though. There we go. All right. Um so <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a great night of hockey. Uh obviously the main story here, uh, Mackenzie Blackwood, 51 save performance. Aaron, are you used to seeing goaltenders for the Sharks
1: with a, a save percentage starting with 0.9? No, no. It's been a long time. Crazy. Maybe since Nabokov days <laughs> that you felt comfortable. And even then, towards the end of those days, I didn't feel comfortable with him in the net. It's been a while. I mean, that it's one game. It's one game. But 51 saves, man. That is a lot. That's almost practically two games worth of saves in one game. It, no, it is. It's a lot. And, it is a ridiculous uh, amount of saves. And he had some he had some amazing ones. Like they weren't just they weren't gimmies. They weren't like there weren't a lot of easy saves in there. There's some incredible incredible saves. So
0: so I actually have some of the stats surrounding that and um so again, um over 98% save percentage, okay? One goal on 51 shots. If it was one goal on 50, it would be 98 exactly, but it was just a little bit higher. Um so that in itself amazing right um 17 high danger chances uh against at five on five okay um now that's (laughs) that's just five on five so it's not even 17 out of the 51 in total they had 23 high danger chances against out of the 51 so almost half right in total um I don't know. I mean, is this, is this a flash in the pan, uh, from Mackenzie Blackwood, or is this something that maybe we can see kind of going forward? I know he was, he was a prospect that was highly touted, uh, some years ago, kind of fell off the map a little bit. Again, the sharks like the reclamation reclamation projects. And, uh, that was definitely hurdle worthy. Uh, but, but is this something that we can, you know, maybe count on, uh, not all the time, necessarily, because it, it's hard, you know, but it, can we count on this maybe uh, a little bit more often than just the one time here?
1: Uh, I mean, he was a second round draft pick in 2015, so he's a highly touted, talented goalie. Uh, his what first year in the league, he had some, let me pull up his stats real quick. He was a nine eighteen save percentage, so the Devils were like, "Wow!" And that was early. I mean, he was still pretty young at that point when he played. But then he kind of steadily the next year nine fifteen again, then nine oh two, and then it dropped to eight ninety two. So the last two seasons more like Martin Jones of eight ninety three, eight ninety two, and so they kind of were like, eh, "I think we're going to move on." And that's when they got Vachinek, and and uh, I think they drafted Schmeed. So they got they it was a numbers game at that point. And so they were ready to move on from Blackwood. And thankfully, our, you know, the San Jose Sharks GM had some connections with the New Jersey GM. Go figure. Right. And so they made a little deal here and, and traded traffic for him. And I think um, reclamation project. Yeah, I guess that's fair to say for the Sharks. But it's also look at where they are. They're in a rebuild mode. So rebuild teams are going to take on reclamation projects so that they can flip them for assets. Or Blackwood's young enough that he could stick with the team and they could sign him longer. But um, I like what I've seen. Granted, it is a game in a very long season. But uh, it's better than the other way around where he gets shellacked and lets in seven goals. So I'm I'm very happy with the way he looked. I think he made some outstanding saves. Um, I'm talking like highlight reel. Those are going to go on. I, there's one that I can think of off the top of my head. He just stonewalled Makar and almost a, almost an empty netter. Almost like it was a rebound. It came out to let's see Blackwood's right, and he got his right pad out on the ice and just stuffed him. And even Makar was looking like, "What the heck just happened? How did I miss that?" So, and that was late in the game, I think, to try and tie it. So at that point, it was still one nothing. Um, I just I think he looked. He got some help. I think they had a couple posts and crossbars, but better to be lucky than good. And in this case, I thought he looked fantastic. So very good, promising, possibly starting goaltender for who knows, maybe the next five, six years when the Sharks are actually good and making playoffs. I think it's uh, right now I would say he's ahead of anyone else in the system that they currently have. I would say that's fair. Um, Peter St. John saying Blackwood did his best. Uh,
0: unfortunately, I suspect that uh, will likely be an aberration this season against Colorado. However, he was lights out and almost stole that game. Absolutely. Um, he played phenomenally. You know, one of the things too, and I think it was Shang Pang um, from San Jose hockey now who I think they tweeted it out or something like that. Um, it was a video from the tank from his perspective of them showing Capo, I'm sorry, uh, Blackwood on the on the the jumbotron on the big screen, and they were they showed him and everyone in the in the place just erupted, cheering, clapping, and they kind of went away to him did something else, whatever, and it kind of died down a bit, and then they went back to, to Blackwood, and the roaring just continued. And for a goaltender wearing teal lately, that's been <laughs> kind of a, a, a rare thing. Uh, so uh, the fans obviously, uh, showing that they appreciate the effort, uh, from Mackenzie Blackwood that night. Uh, it, it was just good to see, it's just good to see the tank, you know, loud and, and clapping and happy, even if we lost that game, that's fine. But like it everybody was into the game, you know? So, uh, it was good to be in that sort of environment, that atmosphere again, uh, kind of reminds you what the tank can be. Uh, so hopefully we get there sooner than later, but I suspect it'll still be a while and that's okay. Like I said, this is still very watchable hockey. Again, if you're having a hard time watching a, uh, a 50 save uh, performance <laughs> from a goaltender, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was very happy with Mackenzie Blackwood. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about Bortolo earlier in the first game, the things that, you know, uh, coach Kuhn was telling him, you know, you got to do these other little things as well. Um, you know, being physical where you can um, those types of things. In this game, he comes out and he scores his first NHL goal. Um, and he got down here that my, uh, Mike Hoffman with the uh, secondary assist, his first point uh, as a shark. So that's a nice little uh, earmark there. But um, what did you think about Bortolo in this game? Uh, seems like, you know, again, getting on the board, hopefully the first of many, uh, gain a little bit of confidence and go from there.
1: Yeah, I think he looked better. Um, this, this goal was a Pavelski goal. So he's standing in front of the net in the dirty area got his stick up and tipped it down and, and got it by um uh who was it? Uh, Georgiev. So I thought um great hand-eye coordination. He's not a big guy. So reminiscent of Pavelski where he's, he's not really blocking the goalie per se, but he's getting his stick and, and getting that, that uh, tipping goal. So I thought it was great. Um, Hoffman just kind of, I thought Hoffman did a good job actually in this where he, he fought on the boards and won the puck, passed it back to Benning, who's the one that took the shot. I think it was Benning, wasn't it? Your boy. And um, and then uh uh <laughs> with the tip and you're laughing at that. <laughs> two sticks. Gave my kids two sticks. He's a two amazing. sticks. Yeah, it was Benning. I was right. <laughs> I remember seeing that when I when I watched it, I was like, Oh, that's that's Paul's boy. He's gonna be happy about that one. Um <laughs> Yeah, anyway, hey, both- but you know what though? What,
0: what did you just say? You just said Mike Hoffman, right? What did he yeah. do? What was the first thing you said about Mike Hoffman? What did
1: he do? He doing exactly what uh, we were just talking about with what Quinn was talking about, fighting for that puck along the boards, winning it, winning the puck battle, pushing it back to the to the point. Benning gets the shot off. First of all, moves to get open and get a shot in a shooting lane. And then uh, Borlo tipped it in. So it was great. A great, like, hardworking goal where it was the forechecking goal. So they, I think the puck got dumped in and they fought, got it back, got to the point, got the tip in. I think we're going to see a lot more of that. That's kind of goals that we're going to be seeing most of the season by the Sharks is hard work, get the puck to the points, get it back to the net with rebounds, tip ins, however else. So um, I think uh, I, I thought they executed it well and uh, it was a good bounce back game for them, if you will. Again, second game of the season, but they turned things around within one game. So it was good to see that they, that they got rewarded for it. Uh, that
0: one game, however, had uh, took a toll there. Uh, Mark Vlasic leaving the game uh, with an injury after the first period. Um, Sharks only had five defense, um, you know, for, for the, you know, the majority of the game here, uh, you've got, got some, some times, uh, for each of the different defensemen here in terms
1: of time on ice, if you want to run through these. Uh, oh, just against Colorado, too. That's just brutal. So leading the ice, leading the ice time for defensemen. Ferraro Ruda with 2645, Ruta with 2510, Benning with 2146, Burroughs 20 oh one, and Khnezhov just missing the 20 minute mark at 1940. So almost all five of those defensemen were playing some heavy minutes. And if you go back to the other game, first of all, um uh who was it that came in um kanejov kanijov came in thank you for uh oh man it's getting late for thrun so um looking at the ice time the other game the only one over 20 minutes was ferraro nobody was even over 20 and ferraro was at twenty forty two. so it was pretty evenly spread out among the six defensemen which again is probably what we're gonna see we're not gonna see a workhorse like Carlson getting close to 30 minutes a night anymore because the Sharks just don't have a guy that can do that um, or that should do that, I should say. <laughs> they probably could, but they shouldn't. So, um, yeah, a lot of ice time going around to uh, to those defensemen. And, um, yeah, I mean, they just, according to Quinn, they looked exhausted by that third period, and that's kind of what wore down. I mean, 51 shots on goal, or, sorry, 52 shots on goal that, that it's it's exhausting not just on the goaltender but on the defenseman so um against a very highly offensive stacked team in colorado too not like it was against anaheim or something
0: ben and Gundry says if paul ever wants to trade Benning away from the sharks it would be for at least two first rounders plus a high-end prospect (laughs) come on ben I'm not completely out of touch with the reality, okay? I would be like just one first-rounder and a high-end prospect. Let's get real here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Patrick Cabral says he's got to go to bed. All right, fine. Good night. <laughs> night, <Night-night>. night. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so we, we're uh, done talking about the defenseman there. So let's, uh, you know, we're going to do a roll call here. Uh, and actually, we've got, um, yeah, there you go. Okay, so uh says, where are you watching from? And do you think Eklund or Bordelow looked out of place at all? I don't well, know. Do you think game. that they looked out of place?
1: I mean, maybe Bordelow in the first game, not so much out of place, just non-existent. But not not like Barabanov that looked out of place where he was making mistakes and, and shouldn't have been playing kind of thing. But I think uh, Eklund, no. I think Eklund looks like he's... As, as Mike Greer likes to do with his prospects or what he wants to do with the prospects, he calls it overcooking them. So keeping them in the minors, making sure that they are just dominant and ready and basically useless in the minors because they're just they need the next challenge. Um, that's what he did with Bordaloa and Eklund, especially Eklund, man. He got twice. He got sent back down um, the last two seasons where he probably could have played i think last year more than the year before but again now he doesn't look out of place now he kind of protected him in a way he also got to slide his contract twice so that helps the sharks financially um going into the next decade or so so um yeah i don't think i don't think they looked out of place what about you what do you think
0: yeah i think eklund looks great um you know, again, he he does a good job of finding other players, um, protecting the puck fairly well, uh, especially on the wall. He he's you know kind of one of those cutback type players uh, where he's protecting it fairly well. But um, is he ready for the NHL? Maybe, but not at the level that I think he's capable of just yet. Um, I think he's obviously got a little ways to grow still, and he's going to be far more effective once he's got some uh, maybe some better players surrounding him as well. Um, not that he's just so good; and everybody around him stinks, and that's why he's not dominating. Or right. not—that's not the case. Uh, I think he's just got plenty of room to grow still. Um, but I, I like his game so far. Bordalo, on the other hand, yeah, I can understand how. Um, he is one of those guys that would be kind of on the bubble. You know, going up to the NHL, uh, going down to the AHL, kind of back and forth. Um, not really sure where you know he really belongs. Do we keep cooking the guy? Do is you know? Do we bring him in? Does are we asking too much of him to be physical against these guys that are six foot four, two twenty, um, those types of things? Um, for for me though, I think Bordalo is where he needs to be to progress. I don't think he's going to get much more out of playing at the AHL level. Not that he was absolutely dominating there, but um, I, I think he's seen enough of it, and I think uh, once once he gets to uh, being a little bit more regular. Uh, in the NHL, I think his game is going to take off, especially as the years kind of tick by and we're getting some of our prospects in the system, guys that he's going to get to know a lot better. Again, playing with Eklund, even in the three-on-three uh, that they had, uh, I think it was the second line, they threw Eklund and Bordelow out together with uh, Jan Ruta, right? So here, you're, you're two kind of questionable offensive talents uh, that were playing together in the AHL uh, alongside a uh, pretty steady defensive presence, Uh, You you probably could not have picked a better, a better defensive end to put out three on three uh, with those two, but uh, regardless, yes. And he was an AHL all-star as Philip Nguyen points out as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, could he absolutely light up the AHL and be, you know, an an absolute dominating force? Sure. But I don't know. I I, I think he's where he needs to be for, for his growth. So uh, I I think in terms of them looking out of place, uh, maybe a, a little, but I think this is where they need to be. And I think, uh, they'll do just fine this season uh, and for the seasons to come. So we shall see. Um, it says you sit here, go in line with Greers thinking of overcooking prospects. I think you kind of
1: just already touched that. on that though. Yeah. Right. So here's a good question uh, from Kellen. What do you think about that five forward power play? one? I do not like that at all. I don't no, like it. I, I didn't mind it with Granlin there. Cause I feel like Granlin at the point, at least he's a defensive minded forward. So it wasn't as bad, but now that he's out and on IR, it's even worse. I think it's just it's bad. Not yeah, a fan. That Anthony Sanchez. Five four power play should only be deployed during a five on three. Agreed because you're not going to get a shorthanded chance coming back the other way. I think team seeing that hope- they're <laughs> aggressive. They're aggressive on the on the penalty kill. They're looking to score. And I thought Colorado had many chances. Yeah. On the Sharks power play to score. Oh, and Vegas, both teams actually. both. Teams. I think
0: if you give a guy like, I don't know if McKinnon or ranson necessarily do much penalty killing, but uh, against a mediocre five forward power play, I'm probably throwing one of my uh, one of my top dogs offensively out there on the pK uh, because if they only have to skate through some forwards, <laughs> there's nobody with a defensive presence that they really have to go through. Don't don't forget, by the way, um on a power play. Um, they end so uh, you might get stuck out there with five forwards when the guy comes out of the box um, not very likely but you know if you're in the middle of you know generating yeah. some offense and the guy comes out of the box are you really gonna jump
1: out of is the their, zone to get a their power there? play one though I don't their, know. Power, their power play one is always gonna get that first minute the second minute is gonna be the power play two Yes and no.
0: Uh, there are times when that those guys have already been out there for a minute. They're exhausted. They're not going to throw them back out there. Power play two would be jumping out first. Now, what I will say is I would much rather have them not scratch Grand Admiral Thrun and have him quarterback in the power play. I like his vision. I think he does a great job. I know it's power play two, but I think he does a great job on, on the power play from the point finding guys, making those passes. Uh, I, I like what he brings again. Not an Eric Carlson presence. Nobody can be except for him. Uh, but you know, nobody, you don't have to be, to be effective. Right. Um, yeah. he, again, he, he's got his eyes up. He's making good passes. That's what you want from a young guy, uh, coming in the league for the first time here. Well, man, not the first time, but, um, you know, for a first full season, we'll say. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I would like to see him on the top power play unit and then maybe, uh, Ferraro. I don't know. Uh, but I don't like the five forward power plays. That's not, uh, that's not my thing. I would say, if we were talking about a team that had, you know, crazy talent like say Toronto or Colorado for instance and you got five forwards that are, you know, ridiculous then okay fine but this team as someone else said much earlier this team is full of the mostly third and fourth liners kind of up yeah. and down the lineup and guys that are trying to prove themselves again so um yeah i'm just i'm not i'm not feeling it with this group maybe with the better group uh but yeah i don't i don't know what they're thinking uh, putting five forwards out there we have no business doing that. Yeah, I agree. That's my take. So there you go, um, Aaron. Injuries already this season. We got four of them uh, that you wrote down over here. You want to
1: go through them? Sure. Logan Couture still on IR, um, and now uh, Michael Granlin also on IR. That's two of the Sharks' centers that are on IR, which is not good. The Sharks do not have any depth this season. They can't afford to lose a lot of guys. Uh, Radam Shimmick and Jacob McDonald still in IR that was from uh, the pro- the postseason from the preseason so that carried over and they're still on there um, to me I think they haven't announced what that is It's just a lower body injury to both Couture and Grandland I think it's some kind of soft tissue injury kind of like a groin injury might not be groin might be something else but they both got it or I, I should say Couture got it from training not from playing so to me that was most likely a groin injury and then they don't have a timeline for it. So it's not like he broke a bone. And it's going to take six weeks. It's let's see how it feels. Do you remember when Carlson tore his groin, had surgery on it? Wasn't sure when he'd be back, kind of came back too early and then had to wait longer. That's kind of the same issue here. Uh, now, granted they didn't have surgery. So it's not that serious, but groin injuries are awful. I've had one in college. It is awful because you really don't know. And, and then once you're, once you're back and you don't feel it anymore, you're still thinking about it and it's in the back of your head all the time and you might tweak it and it might happen again. And then you're out again. It's so frustrating. Any kind of soft tissue injury like that is frustrating. So um, it sucks. And there's not really a timeline for either of them. And that was another thing that uh, Quinn had said in his, in his pre pre game because he was, I think there, he was asked specifically about Couture and he said, it's frustrating because there's no timeline. Like, it's, it's mentally one thing if you know it's six weeks and you can work hard and you're back in six weeks and the doctor clears you, whereas this is just see how it is. Just see how it is. Um, is Granlin our new Havlat? I hope not. I don't think Granlin <laughs> is as, as um, skilled as Havlat was, but I would take a, a half-injured Havlat over a half-injured Granlin. <laughs> but, yeah, I hope not
0: um so we're done with the ir stuff but i want to go back and read kellen foster here says so who comes off the power play one for thrun uh hurdle eklund hoffman duclair don't forget couture is still needs to come back granlin at some point hopefully uh needs to come back so even out of all these guys could be not just one coming off fourth run it could be two coming off for couture coming in maybe even three for Granlin coming in so um i don't know there's a whole lot that's in flux right now there's a there's a lot of guys that i mean one was a scratch two of them are injured Uh, any of these guys could be playing uh for power play one because again we don't really have a lot of elite talent uh so um it's not just Thrawn. It's it's a, there's a lot of moving parts there. Uh, but I do like Philip the win. Obviously, knows me fairly well here. Benning our best bet for power play quarterback <laughs> definitely looks like he took a step with the 65 gone. You know, I think Philip. I think you're being genuine with that comment. I don't even necessarily disagree with you. Uh, but if you're just trying to be funny, uh, that's that's pretty good too. So <laughs> there you go. Um, I don't. It, we got we're already past an hour here, so I'm gonna try to go through some of this stuff quickly, but. Um the next thing we want to talk about real quick was uh the NHL ending uh, Pride Nights. Now this not just Pride Nights though it's it's military appreciation it's other stuff too right
1: everything and it, they're not saying it's they're not ending Pride Nights they're just ending the player participation part of it of any night not just Pride Night. So like for one it's um they would always wear warm up jerseys or a different jersey for warm up not for the game, just warm up before the game, and then they would auction those off, um, and it would go to the charity, each team's charity. Well, last year was the first time I think in the NHL where there was more than there was a handful of players that refused to participate during the Pride events, so they didn't want to wear the warm up jersey. Um, so I don't even think they warmed up; I think they just stayed in the locker room, um, and then that became a huge talking point and and a big deal, and so. The NHL's way of dealing with it is we'll just get rid of all of it. So I think it was a cowardly decision by the NHL. The other thing is the tape that goes on the sticks. Yeah. Um for Pride Night they allowed players, here we go, here's a picture of it. They allowed players to use the rainbow tape. Now, in the rule book it's only black and white tape, but for Pride Night they made the exception to use rainbow tape. Um they banned this along with getting rid of the jerseys the warm-up jerseys so the pride community and and everybody that lbgta oh my gosh lbgt plus oh thank you um boom <laughs> uh obviously that's a big hit for them because that was uh i think it was a great great way to show pride a very simple way an easy way and i think it looks cool in the ice because it stands out um so they're no longer allowed to do that now there's a couple of statements here. Um, Duclair had his thoughts on it, and that's on San Jose Hockey Now. I'll plug that a little bit. That's a good read to go check out. Um, Brian Burke, who was a longtime um, GM, and I don't remember if he coached, but he had some thoughts in it, and he released a statement. I thought his statement was fantastic because he just, you know, calls out the league without being crass about it i don't know he's very well spoken so it, it was a very a uh, uh, fantastic statement and um uh sorry what was the other one? Oh, the and this is the other thing the nhl pa declined to comment on it which i thought was cowardly as well like to me the nhl they they say hockey's for everyone that's been their slogan for i don't even know how many years it's been for a while right hockey's not for everyone just say it the nhl is saying hockey is not for everyone because it's not just it's not just for for pride either it's all these other ones they're just they're just getting rid of it they they took the coward's way out and just said we're just not going to do anything that's just terrible instead of standing up for something and and putting down all the bigots this is what they do instead i don't agree with it um i i'm i'm gonna disagree and say
0: hockey is for everyone And if you enjoy the sport and you want to get into the sport, you want to play it, you want to watch it, you want to go to the the tank, you want to, you know, strap some skates on and give it a try. None of that, nothing else matters. Okay. Uh, I can promise you as somebody who's played a lot of hockey, who continues to play hockey, uh, I don't care who my teammates are. I just enjoy playing the game with them. So hockey absolutely 100% is for everyone. And don't let uh, anybody um, who runs the biggest leagues in the world tell you otherwise. Okay. Maybe in this league, they have some sort of weird thing where they just don't want to have to deal with the repercussions of having an opinion, but everywhere else, absolutely hockey is for everyone. And I want people to understand that, um, you know, you're not gonna be playing in the NHL. You're probably gonna be playing in the beer leagues. Like, like Aaron probably needs to. Okay. And, uh, and, and you will absolutely 100% be welcome in that atmosphere. Um, I I don't know many people that honestly care one way or the other. Uh, what what you do uh, outside of the rink? So um, there you Here go. You this is the yeah, other I thing I want to show you. Uh, yeah. Scott Lawton says he's going to use the pride tape despite the NHL ban. If they want to say something, they can. So there you go. I like this. I like him challenging. Um, yes. you know, because again, it's just colored tape. Who cares? It's colored tape.
1: Yeah. Well the league is going to say, cause it's against the, the rules because it's black or white tape. Sure. You're not supposed to have color tape. It's so dumb, <clears throat> but I'm hoping there's going to be more players that will do what he's doing. Um, and more, not no offense to Scott Lofton, but more bigger name players coming out and doing it as well, because then, then what's that gonna was happen? rude. <laughs> I know. So that was rude. He's in the NHL. That's fantastic. I, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like imagine if McDavid did this or Connor Bedard was like, I'm gonna put color tape on my stick, you know? Like that would be a statement. That would be yes. huge. So um I'm hoping more players follow suit. I'm hoping I wouldn't be surprised if some some fans start raising money to donate towards paying the fines that are gonna be charged these players. But I mean, what's the fine? What is it gonna be? Two thousand dollars, maybe it's twenty five hundred dollars. I forget what the max fine is for stupid stuff like this, but it's not Yeah, not that it's not a lot of money, because I mean, twenty five hundred bucks is a lot of money to some people, but um, to the players, it's not that much. So,
0: not for somebody making multi million dollars per year, a couple thousand dollars isn't that big of a deal. So, if I were the captain, you really want to make a statement, right? You can either donate that thousand dollars to a good charity, or you can just pay the
1: fine for the same amount and raise awareness. What I would do as the captain of, let's say, I was the captain of the Sharks, I would tell the team, if anyone wants to do it, I will cover the charge. I will do it, but I also cover the charge of anyone else that wants to do it, especially when you have these younger guys that are really not making that much money. (laughs) So it wouldn't be so much of a hit and it'd be more of a, I don't know, team camaraderie thing and and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Um, We've also, I
0: guess we've got a comment here about Los Tiburones night. Did you have something specific about this? Do you want to say?
1: So Los Tiburones happened on Saturday. Um, It's kind of an example, I think, of what these nights are going to look like yeah opposed to what they used to look like so you saw the theme stuff around you saw they gave out the lucha dancing
0: dancing the, the dancing in between <clears throat> on the intermissions they had um i don't know what the the name is for it but it was uh uh hispanic dancing that was going on these dresses that were outstanding these dudes with big sombrero like things and these masks that were on they looked like uh like day of the dead kind of like masks Mm -hmm. Uh, like skulls and stuff it was so cool um so yeah it was was cool to to um be a part of that at the tank and see them celebrating it
1: yeah so my my point is they don't have the jerseys on for warm-ups but the the theme nights everything is still there for the fans perspective other than the the team's not wearing the jerseys although they did model some of the players model off like i saw ferraro had um they did have a jersey on and i'm guessing they wore these for like a photo shoot so that they could still auction them off like they used to they're just not wearing them on the ice so um my point of that was just this is a preview of what it will look like for all these other theme nights that they're gonna have for the rest of the season so they'll, they'll be celebrating it but yeah, yeah there you go
0: oh my goodness it was so cool and then this was in like not just that one little section there this was all across the arena uh at top uh, top level, bottom level um, on ice. Uh, they they had rolled out, I think, something that was on the ice because uh, there were people like dancing on, on, on the ice and stuff. It was really cool. Uh, but yeah, so that's basically what Aaron's saying is they're still going to celebrate it. They just, the players aren't really participating in the same way that they would have in previous seasons. So uh, there's that. Now we've got some
1: ice sculptures that we wanted to see here. Yeah, I'm going to plug this up here. So my okay. neighbor happens to be an ice sculptor. His name is David Fong, and he okay. works for a company called Ice Illusions. It's him and his dad. Um, he created these three ice sculptures for the Los Tiburones night. Whoa. So, did you see these when you were at the game? Did you happen okay. to okay?
0: So I did. I saw the one on the far right, and actually the one on the left because I did. I had uh, club uh, seats, and I was able oh, to go into the club area. Hey, and baller! I, I yeah. saw that. Oh, well, come on now. I was a game time, <laughs> game time app plugging it uh anyway so yeah i saw the one on the left when i went downstairs and i saw the one on the right when i was walking in uh and i looked up from the outside and i saw the backside of it i didn't actually go up and check the one on the right but um yeah the one on the left i just walked right past that was pretty cool i don't remember the one in the middle that one's probably the one i would like to see the most it's got that looks like
1: i bet that's bmw club it's probably
0: bmw is that shrimp just overflowing it is shrimp it's it's
1: shrimp inside the l sculpture that flows out as you pull out your shrimp yeah Um, i mean no
0: offense to the other artists
1: but i like shrimp yeah so So david works for ice illusions give him a follow on instagram um i believe it is ice illusions at the top there so uh really cool stuff he's done a lot of stuff um a couple years ago when the first year of lockdown so 2020 he did an ice sculpture for our street and this is the first time i knew like knew of him being an ice sculptor because he's like oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna create this ice sculpture he told us like in his text message and we're like everyone's kind of like an ice sculptor. okay cool like whatever that that sounds fun and then he comes out with this huge elaborate thing and he has led lights in it and it's all lit up and it was like holding the bowl of candy and stuff and yeah it was incredible absolutely incredible i was like wow this guy is elite he is good and then the other thing he does for us and i think you can order these from him too Um, because the water like you need the ice to be completely clear you can't just use your faucet sink this isn't going to work so he distills all this water many times um he gets ice balls for drinks you've seen an ice ball like a like a whiskey ice ball right yeah yeah yeah. um looks like glass looks like glass in your glass and then he puts designs in it so like one year he's like hey what can we do and i was like it was christmas i was like why don't we do the grinch so i sent him a picture of like a um a file of a grinch face and he put that etched in the ice it's amazing so when you look in your drink there's whatever it was on top wow so this case was the grinch so great work give him a follow um good good, good dude and and does amazing work and we'll probably see maybe we'll see more ice sculptures if we do i'll, I'll let you guys know and and show some pictures throughout the season if he does more shark stuff
0: I think we've got a calling for uh, the ice factor uh, coming up in <laughs> next, next season, I guess. But uh, for the Sharks, at least, we're going to finish up here because we are going pretty long. Uh, upcoming games, we've got three of them, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Tuesday is against uh, Carolina. Uh, Thursday is going to be against Boston. And Saturday, going out to Nashville. Aaron, the Carolina Hurricanes are 2-1 and one so far this season. Brent Burns, uh, is there going to be something special about this night? I mean...
1: Carolina's a good team. They're a cup favorite. So another good game. It's going to be great. Um, Same with Boston. But having Burns come back, yeah, it's special. It's nice. But it's not like it's his first time back, so it's not as special or nice as it was a year ago. Um, But Brent Burns has a huge following still here in San Jose. I don't know if he still has his house here either. I wouldn't be surprised if he did, because Joe Thornton kept a house here. Um,
0: yeah, but Joe Thornton has uh, is, is like his his kid plays uh, at, in the leagues here in San Jose as well. I don't think they were planning on really like leaving San Jose.
1: Yeah, but he
0: yeah, I don't know. He might have sold his house. I can't remember. He I mean, has remember. The, the ranch in, in Texas. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, So they, yeah, like I said, two and one, you think they're going to be three and one at the end of this game? It sounds like uh, yeah Thursday. Against Boston, they are two and zero. Aaron, I know Boston's lost some some big guns, but they're two and zero so far, and they're facing the lowly Sharks. What do you think?
1: You know, there's some rumors that the Bruins are going to trade with the Sharks to get some centers, so maybe they can showcase. Although one of them is hurt right now, so this could be a future destination for either or Couture and Hurdle. Um, I wouldn't be. Sh- I, let's just say I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not expecting it, but I wouldn't be shocked if it were to happen. Um, yeah, it's, it's Boston is still on top of their game and um, they uh, they're just a strong team. They have, they have just a strong foundation outside of Bergeron and uh, who's the other one that retired? Crecci, um, um, uh, thank you. <laughs> I was like all the letters in my mind it was K.R.A jc look at the non-fantasy shark fan <laughs> coming up with boston <laughs> but that's how elite he was you knew who he was that that, that speaks volumes of like how, i don't how know the was. players i mean i do but you. i know man, i like, know i don't
0: follow these other guys right but anyway nashville nashville anyway, has a losing record there we might have a little something going on one and two for nashville it's also on the road first row game for the sharks so
1: they're true. traveling into nashville very true um Nashville's tough a tough barn to, barn to in. play in, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. I, I could see a win coming out of this week, though. I think the Sharks will get their first win this week. My, Very good. Obviously, the, now- the obvious answer is Nashville, but I'm going to go on a limb and say they're going to beat Boston.
0: Ooh, okay. Hand Boston the first loss.
1: I'll say, uh, you know, I really go on a limb. I'll say they'll get four points this week.
0: How are we supposed to be the worst win. team in the league with 68 points, if we're trying to beat the best teams in the
1: league right off the hop. A broken clock is right twice a day. It happens. It's the NHL, man. It happens.
0: I guess Again. so. Okay, so you know what? Last last week you said you're we were going to get one point. We did get one point. Are you feeling like Nostradamus? I'm going to say four out of six. We're going to get four out of six. Four out of six. Yep. I mean, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> I hope you're wrong. It's so early. I don't think it's going to matter. Oh, man. (laughs) All right. Well, um, one other thing we wanted to say before we go through kind of our set update stuff is uh, Superdition Jason uh, is a wily one. He happened to notice there's a couple special guests that are inside of the chat. Um, Live space founders Spencer and Todd are actually in the chat watching the show. So Hello. Uh, Spencer and Todd thank you guys for dropping in we appreciate you guys being here Uh, we will be streaming on their platform each week and uh, we're going to be promoting it on our socials as well so uh, for for that it would be live.space slash watch slash the fin factor so you can find us on uh, live space as well uh, each week as we do these shows so there you go Uh, I think (laughs) Superdus Jason's about to drop that into the comment section here because he's highlighting that. Uh, In any case, again, uh, pretty cool. Thanks. Live Space founders are in here. Spencer, Todd, thank you so much for for popping in here, uh, checking out our stream. Do appreciate it. And yes, there you go. Superdus Jason just dropped it in the chat there. So uh, feel free to take a look at that.
1: And um... (laughs) I hope you're Sharks fans (laughs) or you will be Sharks fans. (laughs) Great time to join. Because you're joining at the bottom, there's only one way to go up.
0: Yeah, you know, Spencer and Todd, if you guys are Golden Knights fans, um, <laughs> there's the door on the way out. Is over. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just messing with you guys. Uh, let's see. Ben and Gundry says the Sharks right now is a digital clock with no batteries in it. <laughs> well played, Ben. Well played, uh, Aaron. We do have the uh, set update. This is the last thing here for you guys. I know we've been talking about it for like. Feels like uh, uh, years now, which I think we actually have been. Uh, but it's it's finally coming together. As I said last time, the the screws have been put to wood. Uh, things are being built, and uh, hopefully, much sooner than later, uh, we'll, we'll be putting this thing together so we can do more of uh, the live show instead of uh, going over the the air here instead. So, yes, uh, or in person, I guess we could say. So, uh, Aaron, why don't you go ahead kick this off? Let everybody know everything you want to know about the uh, upcoming set design.
1: Sure. Well, you could see, um, see those textured white panels there. It's kind of actually where we got the, the design for our virtual background. We bought these panels years ago because we thought it were really cool and it'll be cool to have some lighting up on them. Um, so the redwood, yeah, it's actual redwood from a fence from my parents' house. They got a new fence. And so we reclaimed all this wood, planed it, cut it and put it together. And then there's a concrete kind of portion there on one side um that's kind of to, to tie in the SAP center architecture um and everything's going to be kind of helping with the sound insulation stuff there's a little shelf there it's plastic you can see it that's going to be holding a lot of our memorabilia like the bobbleheads uh we're going to put in some LED lighting effects all around it it's really going to pop and uh hopefully we're going to have this coming up in in i don't know maybe the end of the month we'll see we'll see I, i'm hoping by november that we're we're in studio again which is only what two more shows away three more shows so um yeah it's coming soon and it's uh it's a lot of work and big props to 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 the double d shoal my father <laughs> he's putting a lot of work in on this he's the poor guy's retired and yet he's not retired because he's got a lot of projects that he's doing around For all. did you just say to to the double d i did that's his name oh <sighs>
0: I think we got to end on that note right there. My goodness, <laughs> what, there's no coming back from that, is there? I don't know. Uh, hey guys, I guess <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey guys, uh, you know I know it's been a, a bit of a long one here, but man, we appreciate each and every one of your comments in the in the comment section there. Thank you guys for for being a part of this. We really enjoy doing the show. Uh, it, it's it's fun for Aaron and I to kind of talk back and forth, but uh, it's much more fun when we've got you guys kind of spitballing uh, back and forth with us. Uh, so thanks for that yeah Peter St. John looking forward to it yeah absolutely we, we can't wait to get the, the set going here and just finally get back to meeting up I think we started doing this for COVID and then we just never stopped so um, hopefully yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll break out of this uh, sooner than later again want to say a big shout out and, and hello and thank you for popping in to uh, LiveSpace founders uh, LiveSpace founders Spencer and Todd Spencer and Todd um, sometimes I can't talk right so <laughs> deal with that I guess um, yeah. So, uh, again, again, we really do appreciate you guys. Uh, again, if you'd like to support the show, again, fed Chat Function, there's the uh, Venmo at the fin factory You can go to thefinfactor.com, get any of the merchandise that we have there that helps support the show as well. So, uh, if you're looking to do that, uh, that would be awesome. And, of course, as SuperDucer Jason has reminded me, uh, like, subscribe, ring the bell. Again, it's great to subscribe to this show because – we don't go on like but once a week, so we're not going to hit you with a bunch of junk. OK, so um, absolutely good idea to do that. Uh, and don't forget to hit that uh, notification bell so that, you know, when we're going live, get in the comments section and be a part of the show. So there you go. Aaron,
1: anything else that you want to add here? No, follow us on socials. And uh, we got more Blue Sky Codes if you are interested. So hit us up in the email at thefinfactor at gmail.com.
0: Very good. For Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. And we will see you guys next week. Next week. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The and on Instagram at Fin And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our
1: website at thefinfactor.com where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.